This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. And hello, everyone. It, uh, my name is Keith Williams. Welcome to the Author Showcase, the program where we do just that. We showcase authors, uh, people that have written books. And we also uh, showcase book publishers. So if you're looking for uh, looking to publish a book, uh, from time to time, we have book publishers coming on. We also have invited some social media influencers to come on, as well as musicians to come on as well. So it's just not limited to uh, book artists or publishers or book authors. And so uh, we've been having some problems with Zoom uh, for the last couple of months. And so it's finally fixed and uh, we're back on uh, doing these uh, uh, recordings and I'm so glad that we were able to come back on. Uh, you know, people have really been asking you know, you know, where are you being? <laughs> so I'm, I'm so glad to be back uh, here. And so we have a great author uh, with us and she goes by the name of Boo. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Keith. I'm glad to be here. So tell everybody who you are and what do you do? My name is Boo Trundle, and I'm a fiction writer, and I published my first novel this year. Well, I guess technically it was last year. It was in June of 2023, The Daughtership, and it came out on Pantheon Books. It's a literary novel and also a spiritual novel. Um, I, I see that you have uh, quite a bit of uh, reviews. One is from uh, Atticus mm-hmm. and uh, Washington Review of uh, Books. And you also have uh, one for uh, Carcass. Could you tell us a little bit about those? Okay. Well, um, Carcass Reviews was the first review that I got. And that usually comes out before your book publishes. So that came out in maybe March or April. And it was very exciting um, to get, it was a positive review. Um, And then I also got one in Publishers Weekly that came out like maybe a few days before the book came out. Um, Atticus Review is a magazine that I've been I've I've published some of my short essays in. I also did like a video series for them. So I'm friendly with that magazine. So they did me the the very nice favor of publishing a review. And then a friend of mine did an interview with me for Washington Review of Books. I also had an interview in The Rumpus, which is a literary magazine. So I was really happy. Um, every review I got, I was thrilled. I, I would love to get more. So if anybody out there wants to write a, a review, let me know. Because, <laughs> you know... It's just nice to get um, a close read to somebody to read your book carefully. And then also I learned some, I learned something from every review I get. I've, I find them to be very uh, educational as a writer. So they actually do a review before the book actually comes out. 
Yeah, especially the Kirkus Review and the Publishers Weekly. Those are um, trade magazines, really. And the hope is that if they give you a review that, you know, newspapers and magazines will pick it up and also give you reviews. But it's kind of tight and tough to get reviewed these days just because there's not a lot of um, not space, not a lot of space in in media outlets for book reviews anymore. It's just getting harder and harder to get reviewed. So everyone I got, I was very grateful. So that's that's not really a popular thing nowadays to get a book review as it was in the past. Well, there's just I think a lot of the. um Newspapers are not, you know, newspapers have changed so much in like the last 20 years and magazine space is more limited. And I kind of feel my book's very literary and it's not a thriller. It's not a romance. It's not historical fiction. It's not a genre book. It's, it's, it's strictly, it's very craft oriented. It's a challenging book and uh, it's challenging to read. And also the subject matter is challenging. So I just think that it's harder and harder to get people to review books like that. So I, so, I mean, I did get some reviews. I could have, I could have used more, <laughs> but I'm not complaining. <laughs> so. so let's uh, dive into uh, this book. It's called The Darter Ship. And this is your first book that you have published. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like break down. With so kind of so, understand this fiction. So I don't want you to no 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 spoilers. Oh yeah, um, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Little people to actually read the book. So without any spoilers, can you kind of give like a synopsis of the book? And that's the first question. Okay. Uh, second question is is uh, what is what is the book's intended audience? And then the third question is, uh, what had inspired you to write this book? Okay. Well, if I forget one of the questions, you'll have to re- remind yeah, me. Yeah, I, I can remind. So the first question is, uh, can you give a synopsis of the book? So, yes, I can. The book is, on the on the surface level, it's a book about a woman in her 40s who is a spiritual seeker by necessity. She's someone who suffered a lot of trauma as a kid. And so she became a quote unquote party girl or just mess of a person. And then in her twenties, she stopped drinking, stopped doing drugs, got her life together, started, you know, questing, going to therapy, trying to heal herself, trying to fix her life. But whatever she's doing is not enough. So she's in her 40s and her internal life is on fire. She's really having mental challenges, psychological challenges. It's all happening on the inside. So on the outside, her life looks fine to other people, but it's not fine. And I like that scenario because she's not someone who hasn't tried. You know, she's not just someone who set her life on fire and didn't ever care and didn't ever try. She tries really hard, but she's just not thriving. And so she is in jeopardy. And the only way she's going to pull herself out of jeopardy is by turning inward and facing these, these, I don't know how to, well, without spoiling it, let's just say there's a whole nother plot thread going on with these 
parts of her who are having their own adventure. And so the two, the two plot lines roll along and we have Catherine, who's this is pretty straightforward, realistic fiction, a woman whose life is sort of falling apart. Her marriage is falling apart, just having a hard time showing up to be a mom and just showing up to stay alive and not kill herself. Um, And then there's another thread that follows these three little children who are trapped on a submarine in the bottom of the ocean and they represent Catherine, Catherine's problems. And so they're having their own adventures. And the question is, is she going to um, be able to pull herself together? And the only way she can be able to pull herself together is by facing these, these parts of herself that have been abandoned in this submarine. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, now that I heard this synopsis, it sounded like to me that uh, I, I can know some people or I've heard of some people that are going through the exact same thing. They're going through some type of mental health crisis and uh, some are trying to get help and either uh, it's working out for them or it's not working out for them. And and they're really trying to stay afloat. Uh, that is something definitely being uh, it's real. It's, it's it's very real. What a lot of people that are going uh, through that. So I I think that if you are a person that's going through uh, mental illness, really believe that this book is going to you know help you um, as a certified counselor pr- practitioner. Um, I see this kind of like on a daily basis where uh, people, they're going through uh, mental anguish or have a mental illness and they, they really don't know what works for them. And then you mentioned something too, that that eventually, you know, whatever crisis that they're facing, that they, they have to confront it within themselves. Uh, which is something that counselors and therapists, uh, they're supposed to do that. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, what happened is, is that uh, just like a medical doctor, they really do not deal with the cause of the problem. They just treat the symptoms. So they end up coming back. You know, and I can imagine that in this novel, this the, the character that you mentioned is probably going through the same thing. That's probably why she's going to the doing different things and probably uh, seeing different people. Does, does that kind of make sense for? Uh, does that kind of make sense for the synapses of this uh, of this book? It does. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's had like 15 therapists, you know, (laughs) so she's just like, so, so it's not that she hasn't tried, um, but part of her problem is that she has a hard time trusting people. So she has a hard time getting the help that she needs. And as a writer, like for me, um, I tried to set it up so that the, the way that the novel unfolds, when you're reading the book, you, you have a sort of, parallel experience that the, that the character is having of the awakening that pr- finally brings her to the place where she can face those parts of herself that she's been so scared to look at. So I really saw it as a craft challenge to write a novel where uh, the main, where you're going along with the main character. And again, no spoilers, but you know, the question is um, 
how, how is she, how is she going to survive? And the answer is in that other plot thread where these three little children are trapped on an abandoned submarine. So that's sort of an imaginary world where there's a whole nother imaginary adventure, but the two stories end up intersecting and that's where the, the crisis happens in the plot. So, so yeah, I mean, it's a very unique book. It is not a self-help book. It's not a strictly a um a a fantasy or a fiction because it is based on real on my personal healing journey so it's a combination of literature and spirituality oh i i totally get that that when people are uh seeking help from a mental health professional that they have uh these trust issues they they prefer someone uh uh, they prefer someone that uh, they can relate to, whether it's uh, gender, ethnicity, or spirituality. Uh, like, for example, uh, a woman may tend to want a female therapist. A man may want to have a male therapist. Or if you're African-American, you probably prefer an African-American uh, therapist. Uh, etc. I've seen that a lot in the last 20 years uh, where they have a preference of the type of therapist that they want. Uh, for me, you know, it will probably be someone that uh, is knowledgeable in, in that particular area uh, that they're going through. Like I serve in the military, so you know, I do have you know, mental things that are attached to that. Um, and I prefer someone that, um, you know, understand what a, a veteran is going through. So I have that preference. It doesn't matter if they're male or female or whatever, or what their ethnicity is. It, it's just that someone who um, has experience in dealing with veterans. Mm -hmm. Do you um, feel like they need to be a veteran or they just need to have experience dealing with veterans? Like, well, does the person have to have the same experience or they just have to know about that experience? Well, I, I, I think um, I can better relate if that person was actually a veteran. Yeah. You know, but if they have experience in, in dealing with veterans, that's, that, that's just as good. But yeah. um, now we're going into peer support which, you know, of course, to me would be more effective because you're talking to someone that's actually went through the same thing that you're going through or probably going through the same thing that you're going through and it's an opportunity for us to help each other out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and peer support is becoming more popular in the last five years uh, than ever before. And so I believe that if you have someone that's going through that particular situation, whether it's present or past, or they have an extensive knowledge in that area, that's a plus. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems to be the trend that's going on right now in mental health. Well, I just think what's really going on right now in mental health is that people are really suffering and, um, and, you know, not only are people suffering, but they're also having lives filled with joy and 
happiness. But for me, at least it's been a parallel track and I've had to, I've kind of had to work hard for my mental health. And I've also been working hard as a writer. So to me, this book is a convergence of two of my big passions, which are like psychology and, and philosophy, and then also, you know, literary fiction and writing. What was the second question? Who Was it, who's my ideal reader or what, what was the second question? Oh, oh, what is the intended audience? Oh yeah. The ideal reader. Yeah. The intended audience. Well, it's funny, like the word intended. Um, I was telling someone the other day, I was talking to someone about some of the book is autobiographical and there is a lot of family history that I wrote into the book that is based on my real family. And someone said, well, weren't you worried about, you know, what people would think when they read the book? And I, my answer was, I didn't think anybody would read the book. I didn't, you know, there was no intended audience. You know, I mean, I've been writing novels since I was 20 and I haven't, this is my fifth novel or fourth novel that I've written. I didn't, assume it would be published. And so I, I really just, I didn't have an intended audience when I was writing it. I would say now that I've written it. And when people ask me that question, I would say that the people who will like my novel are people who uh, wander when they're going into the bookstore, they wander in between fiction and self-help. <laughs> so people who are invested in their spiritual life and invested in their inner world and invested in healing and growing and seeking something uh, more than just the everyday uh, life, but more of uh, like uh, other realms or other dimensions. And then also people who enjoy a challenge when they read, that want to read something different, that want to read a book that isn't just the same old, same old, that maybe asks them to show up in a way they've never shown up as a reader before. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did you mention something about the fact that this was based on your personal experience did, did I some get of it yeah some of it is some, yeah. some of it is mm -hmm. um you also mentioned too that uh that this isn't a self-help book I mean I, I never known of a novel that's actually falls in in that category of being a self-help book uh would you like to elaborate on that well, like when I, when I first started writing it, I wanted to call it how to divorce your family. Um, and that was more, not, not my, I'm a mother, I have two kids and, um, I'm divorced now, but when I was writing it, I wasn't, but you know, it wasn't more about, it wasn't about divorcing my kids, but it was more about divorcing the family of origin, the family I grew up with, um, or just moving past it. Um, so that's kind of like a self-helpy title, how to, you know, how to, how to do this, how to do that. So it always had this element for me, like I said, of, I would hope that it would, that it has like a healing energy to it or a healing. There's like a process, the process that I went through writing the book was very healing. And so, yeah, it's not that it's not a self-help book, but you know, the people who wander around the self-help aisle at the bookstore, um, are the people who will, you know, in terms of my ideal reader, people who are looking for something more, people who are willing to open their minds, people who are who are seeking a deeper dimension, something beyond the surface, um, something different, exciting, challenging. Um, yeah. So no, it's not self-help. It's definitely a novel, but it has a spiritual element. It has a questing element. It has a a healing element. So that's what I meant. Um, so what are some of the themes that that comes out of this book? 
Well, for example, one of the themes is this idea of a rewrite. Uh, and this kind of comes in at the end of the book. And this is not a spoiler, but this is something I learned in one of my, like at a spiritual workshop I went on where this idea that you could go back and rewrite your own story, you know, that um, we all have our stories, we all have our narratives, our childhood story, our high school story, our our first love, you know, uh, now I have like a marriage story, I have a divorce story. Uh, but you could, this idea that you can go back and rewrite it to have a happier ending or rewrite it. So for example, let's say you're a kid and something happens and there was no adult there for you to tell you it was all going to be okay, that you can imagine a scenario where that little child that you once were, that there is an adult there and that adult could be you, you know, and that you can go back and say, Hey, it's all going to be okay. And it is going to be okay. Cause now, you know, look, I'm 56 and it all did turn out. Okay. So, um, playing with these kind of, that's a sort of, a that's a therapeutic technique where you go back and you find the child that you once were and you hold that child's hand and you take that child through experiences that nobody was there for that. Maybe no adult was there for that child at the time, but you, now that I'm an adult, I can go back and be that adult. So that's a therapeutic process that I actually worked into my novel. So that's what I mean. Like I, I used therapeutic techniques and I worked them into the actual writing of the book. And so I do feel or hope that the process of reading it can be healing the same way these therapeutic techniques can be healing. Sounds like to me, that's a form of what you call, uh, it's called NPL, uh, I mean, NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Yes. Something like that. I've never done that exactly, but it's like that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of- Changing the tapes, kind of. It's kind of like uh, if you are involved in a negative situation, you kind Mm -hmm. of picture yourself being in a positive situation, like for example, um, you're going to something and you couldn't find an adult, but then you imagine, you know, what would be like if you actually found an adult that you could trust, mm-hmm. uh, which is a form of uh, NLP. Um, well, I've done a lot of different therapies. I've never done NLP, but a lot of them are similar to each other. So I kind of think of it as inner parenting. Um, I also did something called internal family systems. Um, so I think that all good, like a lot of good therapy is they, they're similar to each other, but I, I do think going back and rewriting your own story can be very healing. And I use that as a technique in the novel. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought I mentioned it because I think that's probably one of the most popular uh, uh, forms of uh, uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's out there, uh, besides the one to where the counselor therapist, uh, they're, they're trying to get you to confront what you're going through. And they'll probably ask, well, you know, if you had this person in your life or if you had this resource, uh, what would you do? Because we're trying to help them to find answers within themselves you know, rather than the counselor therapist be the one to provide all the answers. We want them to be able to find the answers within themselves. Right. You know, because they, you know, they can say, well, uh, with the counselor's help, you know, I was able to dig deep within myself to find the answers that I need in order to deal with this situation. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And I keep driving home, uh, 
that I, that my ambition or goal writing the book was to take some of these alchemical or magical um, moments that can happen therapeutically and work them into the craft of writing, like fiction writing. So that that's what I try to do. I'm trying to do it with the book I'm working on now too. So I think it's kind of original, but I also think, um, I just think we're in a moment right now as a sort of the human race where we need to evolve faster than <laughs> we got to catch up. You know, <laughs> we have to evolve fast. And uh, a lot of that evolution, I think, is happening psychically and emotionally and spiritually. And I'm hoping my book will be part of that, somehow part of that process. Um, my next question would be, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I am a maker, like born and bred. Like I just, I'm always making things like I'm a creative person. So I don't just write. I also, I used to be, uh, well, I still am, but I was a professional musician for a long time and I make visual art and I do a lot of online. I play around with digital art. So I write, I write to survive. I make art to survive. I'm a creative person. And I've this, like I said, this is the fourth or fifth novel that I've written and the inspiration or so, so I'm always writing. And then I, what I, the, the real inspirational part for me is figuring out a way to organize what I'm writing into something that someone else would want to read. Um, so that was the part that was inspirational this time around, because this is the first book that I've actually managed to get published. So that inspiration came from mostly from taking writing workshops. I just decided to go back to school. So I went and took classes at the new school in the city and, and was open at, you know, I, I'm 56 now. So I was like in my mid forties and I was like, okay, I can be teachable. Teach me how to write a novel. I went back and I, and I, and I guess it worked because I, I guess I, need, I got my book published. I guess I need to do the same. I mean, I'm terrible at writing um, novels. I'm mostly into nonfiction mm -hmm. uh, type of things, uh, but I have this storyline in my head from when I was uh, a kid in, in high school, I had this, or maybe middle school, I had this this story in my head and I didn't know how to really go back, you know, doing it. I had like an outline for it, but it's it's been lost uh, for many years. And, but you still have uh, it in your head? Yes. And I'm close to being 50. This is my 50th year. All right. Congratulations. <laughs> year. And you so, made it. <laughs> ideal, the ideal is still in my head. It's, it's more like a historic, a, a, a fiction historical novel um, that, that I had in my head. Uh, the story of a royal family who uh, it is in turmoil. Uh, they're like divided. Uh, they're they're divided. They're, they're trying to figure out who would be uh, the successor in uh, the land that they have. You know who would get what. And, and during all of this, you have uh, someone on the outside saying that with all this chaos, this would be a great time to come in. And take over whatever they uh, they have. Mm -hmm. So one of the sons, so one of the sons actually went to 
one of the sons actually went to India to seek the answer. And uh, uh, he met this girl named Jennifer, um, who is going through a who's going through a a tremendous struggle. Um, so, so this was set in the so this was set in the late so this was set in the nineteenth century. So at that time, uh, India was under British rule. So, uh-huh. Je- so Jennifer. Uh, was British. She lived in India. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about that name, but names can always be changed. Hmm. <laughs> I might not do Jennifer. Jennifer's kind of a 1970s name. <laughs> but, you know, there's always time travel. Like when you were talking, I was thinking, this sounds well, like, a, um, this sounds I, like a, this sounds almost like a past life experience that you need to write out. Something that yeah, actually um, happened to you in a past life. The, uh, I, I guess their pronunciation is actually Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, it, like Guinevere kind of, yeah. It's it's the actual pronunciation. Okay. So she has uh so her her mom is, is French and her father is British. All right. Well you gotta write that story out for sure. Like yeah, so I said I went back and I took a class at the adult school in the city. I live outside of New York City and I was flailing a little bit and so I, a friend of mine introduced me to another friend who was a writer and he was teaching classes for adults, you know, adult school, basically night school. So I went to night school and I, and it really changed my life. I, I'm, a, you know, I would always recommend taking a class, you know, get out of your comfort zone and also be teachable. Like everybody can be coached. Like I always say like a coach for the coach, you know, even LeBron James has a coach, you know, so like there's, you're never too good to learn something new. That's how I see it. So is, is it like a particular software that you use to write the novel? I don't, I think some people do. There's a, there's a software program called Scrivener, which a friend of mine uses. And there's another new one that someone was telling me about. So there are software platforms that can help you put all your ideas together, but I prefer to just use Microsoft Word. It's just a blank slate, pretty much. I need I need total. I don't and I also I don't want to have to struggle with a a software program when I'm trying to write. I mean a lot of my writing I do by hand, you know, just a pen on paper. So I, I do it a lot by hand and then I just type it in. Although now I've started using AI to just read it out loud and it'll type it up for me. Because I'm I'm like tech uh you know tech junkie. So oh, you're a tech junkie. Oh, then you might enjoy a platform using Scrivener. Yeah. And anyone who out there is listening, I'm sure yeah. there's some writers listening. Uh, you could try Scrivener, but I mean, yeah. everybody's different. Everybody's different. So Every- it's, it's like a combination of AI too. Uh, some of these uh, softwares have like AI built into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that scares me a little bit as a writer, the whole AI thing. I got a job offer through LinkedIn, someone asking me if I would help them train their computer to write fiction. I had to decline. I, I, it makes me too nervous. But yeah, you could you could just have AI write the whole thing for you. <laughs> so. um, if you don't mind me sharing, if you don't mind me asking, uh, is, is so is... Is, is there like a, a good and bad that goes with artificial intelligence in book writing? Well, I don't mind you asking at all. 
I don't have any definitive answer. I think everybody it's everybody's comfort zone, really. I think, uh, I guess as a writer and somebody who puts a lot of value on art and individual vision and sort of the human touch in the arts and in writing, music, dance, you know, I think art is on some level, it's a translation of what's going on in the human soul. Uh, don't as, as, and also for me, it's been such an important part of surviving and just making sense of the world. I mean, I don't know where I'd be without all of the artists that have come before me. I don't see the role of a computer in that, you know, I just, it's a really a human soul thing. And I don't really mm -hmm. think an AI voice has that. So, and I would hate to see it. Uh, but, you know, I don't see how it could really harm how it's harmful in the sense that I can tell when I'm reading something that's AI and I just, you know, it's not for me. If somebody else might get something out of it, that's great. But I don't, I can tell it's not human. It's not a human touch. I need that human touch. It's a human touch is what makes it meaningful to me. Um, so you mentioned, I know you probably mentioned several times that this is the first novel that you have ever written or in or published. Is that correct? Oh, no, no. I've written four other novels. I just haven't gotten them published. So oh, yeah, I started, yeah. yeah, I started trying to get my first novel published when I was 23. So, uh, but I didn't, it, I never had anyone, who, I never, I never had anyone who was willing to put it out as a book. So this is really exciting for me. It's like my dream come true, really. So what, that's like a really long time. Before. I know. And to not give up. And also Pantheon, who's the publisher, has just been so wonderful. My editor, her name's Deb Garrison. She's so amazing and so brilliant. And my agent is amazing. And, I, you know, so it is just like a fairy tale. <laughs> uh, so that dream has finally, you know, came true. So what was that like waiting all of those years to actually get your book published? Hard, <laughs> humbling, fun. I mean, I like I said, I love writing. I love making things. I just feel lucky and blessed that I still want to and that I can still. You know, it doesn't cost any money to sit down with a pen and pencil and write a story. So I feel, you know, I'm glad I'm not a filmmaker. I've always felt sorry for filmmakers because, you know, it costs like $100,000 to make a movie. It's free to write a book. Uh, so what do you think, uh, what type of audience do you expect to have from this book? Well, it depends on the day. Sometimes I get kind of down and I don't have confidence, but I have, I've been, for the last five years, I've really been training myself in positive thinking and the law of attraction and um, just believing, like if you feel good about something and you, and you surround yourself with good feeling that good things happen. So I would say like in the sort of hopeful, positive perhaps delusional, you know, um, thinking that I want a huge audience for this book. And I think a lot of people could, would really enjoy it. The people who have read it have loved it. And it's a powerful book and it's a life-changing book and it's a healing book. This is me just saying the positive stuff. Um, and it's well-written, it's funny, 
So I could see a huge audience. I could see this book winning the National Book Award. <laughs> I could see myself on Oprah. I could see this book being a national bestseller on Amazon and at the New York Times. So, so yeah. it's already out? Or is it yeah, like- it's already out. It came out in June. Yeah, It came out in June of 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so what have you been doing to promote the book? Well, I did some book touring when the book first came out. I did a lot of events. You know, I did an event in um, Mississippi. I did an event in Virginia. I did an event in a, a bunch of events up in New York and in New Jersey. And I've done some, I've been doing these podcasts. I've been doing a lot of social media. Like I said, I had some reviews and I've had, um, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm probably going to, you know, I'm hoping for more Amazon. Amazon, you know, once you get up to like, certain number of views, the logarithm kind of kicks in. So I've done what I can. It's my first book. Um, I maybe, I think I gave it my all in terms of marketing, but I also think that with experience, you know, you learn how to do your, your marketing better, but I've been to some, I'm going to a few book festivals in the spring. So have, have, do, do you feel that you have done enough to promote the book or there are some other things that you could do? Well, yeah, I could be on Good Morning America, but they haven't invited me. <laughs> that would be, uh, that would be great. I mean, I've never been on like any of the local. Or- I'm available. I'm available for Jimmy Kimmel. I'm available. Yeah, you know, any, know. yeah. So. Uh, or or anything, and mainstream media is not what it used to be. Uh, so, I think the podcasting is becoming like the new medium. Yeah. Well, I've done a bunch of podcasts and I'm really, ha- like I said, I'm psyched to be here talking to you. And, and I understand that all podcasts are not created. Equal. equal. <laughs> what, are, what are some of your, what are some of your experiences with uh, podcasters? I'm having a really good time so far. It's sort of, uh, I would compare it to just being at a party and talking to someone at a party. You know, you, you kind of talk to someone you've never met before. And sometimes the conversations really take off. Other times they're a little harder. Um, we do have the benefit of both being interested in books and writing. And so that makes it already a pretty good chance we'll have a fun conversation. You and I have also the interest in healing and psychology and um, overcoming childhood wounds. So, or, you know, I guess yours were more from being in the military. Um, but yeah, I just think you find your common ground and sometimes I have, uh, it depends on my mood, you know, we're talking at night, it's like seven o'clock. So it's a little more muted. Like I took a nap before we talked, but you know, I'm a bit, I start to like fade at this time of day. Uh, I don't know if you're what, what time zone you're in, but you know, I just think, um, sometimes in the morning, if I've had a bunch of coffee, I'll, bouncing off the walls. So I'm enjoying it. I love talking about my book. I think that there's different, um, some, yeah, there's different, uh, levels of detail you can get into. Like you said, I don't want to spoil anything for the read for the listener, but I think a lot of people who read also write. And so I think a lot of people are interested in the writing process and the publishing process and all that. So, so far, so good. Thumbs up. I'm in uh, the central time zone, actually. Oh, okay. So one hour behind. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I guess I'm kind of jealous. Of that jealous year. of what? 
you know, the fact that you're on the Eastern time zone because that's <laughs> the time that everybody mentioned. You know, it, 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 I, it, I think you're right. I mean, if I had to be honest, I would say it goes Eastern Standard Time, then Pacific Standard Time, and then Central's kind of coming in third. Yeah, it's true. People don't. And I'm always confused by Mountain. I mean, forget about Mountain. I don't know what's going on. Anybody in Colorado, I get confused by Houston. I'm like, I don't know what time zone it is, those places. But <laughs> well, uh, Houston is definitely central. Okay. But but I think uh, Denver is Mountain. You get like to maybe, uh, El Paso or something, then you're going into Mountain. So oh, okay. Texas is so big, they split by two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, we one thing that we haven't talked about is, uh, according to your bio, that uh, you have a music career going on. I would say that's a, a a a past tense, unfortunately. Although I did go over and played me, I yesterday went over and played music with a friend of mine I used to play with back in the '90s. It was pretty fun. We played songs we hadn't played in in 20 years. It was fun. But my guitar is a little rusty. I did. Um, I was a a punk folk rocker in the '90s. I lived in the East Village in New York, and I made records and I toured and played played crazy wild acoustic guitar songs. But um, I, I hung the guitar up when I was thirty. You available? Yeah, it's on Spotify. Yeah, you can listen to all of it on Spotify. Because uh, I, I think I mentioned before that uh, I actually run. I actually run a community radio station. Oh. Yeah. And I would love to I would love to play some of your music. Oh, you should definitely play some of my music. If you want, if you want to do another podcast, we can talk about that. I played with some really uh interesting musicians. I had um I mean it's going back now, um, but my keyboard player was in a band called the Psychedelic Furs, and my producer on one of my records was um in a band called Ultra Vivid Zine, which was part of 4AD, which was part of a whole scene in London. And yeah, and like I played at Cafe Chenet, which was like a, you know, there's a lot going on, but uh, it was fun. I feel blessed. I feel so blessed. I'm so glad I did it. You know, now when you get older and you look back on your life, I'm so glad that I was kicking around the East Village with a guitar in my 20s and just, I went for it. You know, I really went for it. I did not become a... Uh, big rock star but i tried <laughs> so i get this in your bio that you have released three albums mm-hmm. with big deal records mm-hmm. a small label <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore but they did but, exist <laughs> but ne- never nevertheless I, w- I would definitely would like to have some of your uh have your songs featured on uh obs radio network Please uh, which, do. If you have any which, questions, which, let me know. I can tell you that, you know, I can give you, everybody's which, taste is different, but yeah, there's three full length albums and one EP. Well, the the thing is about OBS radio network is that, uh, you know, most radio stations have like one genre that they play. Mm-hmm. Well, we play a different variety of genres. Okay. So something for everyone. You know, one day you may get uh, soul music, uh, at one particular uh, point, uh, then you may get classic rock at one time, uh, or oldies, jazz. I would call my music dark folk. So if you have space on your agenda for dark folk, we're in business. 
is you you may you may never know is is something for is is something for is something for everyone. I like that idea. It's eclectic. It's yeah. kind of like a, a a variety of music. You basically don't know what is basically you basically don't know what you're going to get. Well, that sounds fun. Had to tune in. To, you just had to tune in to find out, uh, you know, what it is. And so we have different folks listening to the station at different times, you know, of the day based on the type of music uh, that they like. But overall, uh, people say that it's it's different. We never had a station before uh, in Alabama that doesn't stick to just one genre they they play all different sorts you know of things so i want to be different uh, with that and it's music that don't even get played on the radio anymore. well uh, i will tune in i will tune in and check out your station it sounds great okay yeah so it's playing right now it's on live 365 obs radio network uh, so it's okay. playing, it's playing right now, and like I said, it's like a variety of stuff. Okay, uh, you never know what you're gonna get. Uh, <laughs> people just have to tune in to figure out what time of the day that they want to uh, to listen to. And so right now, we have a a terrestrial reach of right around fifty six thousand, over fifty six thousand people. Great. Um, that's in the greater. That's in the greater Auburn area. Are you familiar? Okay. This, uh, yeah, Auburn. Auburn University? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it covers where you are? Uh, that's where the station originates from. Yeah, that's Ale- always Ale- good. So it's like college radio. Uh, Alexander, no, it's not in Auburn. It's in Alexander City. Okay. Um, it's uh, an Auburn server. Um, so it's more like community radio. Okay. Well, I was just teasing, but back in the nineties, they they called it call. They used to call community radio college radio a lot. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even know if they have college radio anymore, but uh, actually, they 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 still uh, they still do. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, colleges that still have uh, uh, radio stations. Like I went to Alabama State University in in the nineties, and. Uh, they have a college, uh, they have a station uh, on the campus that plays jazz stuff. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't really into broadcasting back then. I would just like to listen to to music. But as I grew you know, older, for some reason, uh, I became fascinated. I mean, I started podcasting. I was because uh, I felt that uh, a lot of things that needed to be talked about are not being talked about and that's what by the mainstream media and that's what led me to uh go into podcasting but yeah i was I- looking at your i was looking at your um podcast listing on apple and at the different topics you really do talk about some good stuff i, I want to just validate you for that i saw some topics on there that that do need to be talked about so well done and sometimes i get in trouble <laughs> I, get, I get in a lot of trouble for you do, yeah. You know, for, uh, especially like uh, politics, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, politics, for example, we uh, there's a real mess going on with the Alabama Democratic Party, and I've been very vocal 
about that because I've been snubbed. You know, I talked about that. Uh, another thing that gets me in trouble is holding people accountable. You hold people accountable. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And why not? You're holding people accountable. And it's not just because I'm holding people accountable. It's the way that I hold people uh, accountable. Like, for example, I can walk into uh, the local city hall and they'd be like, and uh, they'd be like shaking in the booth. Well, they'd be like, well, what kind of trouble you started today? I'm like, uh, I'm not here to start no trouble. What makes you think I'm going to start any trouble? That's, it's, it's just weird. It's crazy. <laughs> well, you live in the South. <laughs> I grew up in the South, so. <laughs> so we're getting ready to close here. Uh, but I, I really uh, enjoy this conversation, you know, that we have. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, no, po- you know, no podcast is created equal. And I tend to be more conversational than just to have a Q&A. You know, because mm-hmm. anybody can do that. But I want to be able to uh, be conversational and be able to connect with the people, the guests that come on here. And by the way, we have some tremendous guests uh, that came on here uh, on uh, uh, now on this particular podcast. We have uh, uh, two other podcasts as well. Uh, and I think on last summer, we had a we had an uh, an R and B musician uh, that that came on there uh, by the name of Tag Team, as it's a duo group that came on uh, this past summer. I had the opportunity to uh, interview them, and they uh, I think what sparked it was they did a recent uh, last year they did a Geico commercial. Oh, it's like I was wondering if I you know I could get them, so I was able to find them. Wow. And- and one of the members agreed to uh, to come on. Uh, and he's a great motivational speaker. Uh, his name is DJ Glenn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great motivational speaker. Uh, that's what he does now. Uh, but their music still lives on. And it was really a privilege to interview them. So um, as we come to a close here, um, how... Are people able to locate you and find you? Well, I have a website. It's bootrundle.com. The book's called The Daughtership, and it's available on Amazon, and it's at Barnes & Noble, and uh, any bookstore, any online bookstore, or even you know brick and mortar that should still have it. And I am also on Instagram. So Amazon? Amazon, yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of shopping on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, well, I was also there's a bookshop.org if you don't, if you want to uh, support a, a little guy. But wherever books are sold, you can find a daughtership, and I would heartily recommend it. Five stars. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, in closing, uh, it is a tradition here at the Author Showcase to where we give our guests the last word. So if there's anything that you would like to say to the audience. Keep going. That's it? Keep going? Mm -hmm. So 
and you definitely have a story for that. Uh, 20 plus years waiting to be published. And now that you finally uh, published, uh, would there be any more novels that you plan on publishing? Yeah, I'm working on a book right now called The Emotional Future. It's not finished, so it'll be a while before you can buy it, but it's very interesting. So what about the other uh what about the other pieces that you have written already? Are you planning on publishing those? No, they're they're happily they're happily laid to rest. I think that I I I got momentum and I got my chops, you know, with all that. That was practice. I'll just leave those books in the drawer, I think. Oh. <laughs> they don't, the first one doesn't even make sense. Honestly, I can't even get through it. So if I can't get through it, I wouldn't make you try to get through it. Well, um, that, that's, that's, that's understandable. that <laughs> you would like to share with the audience. No, it just was really great to be here tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning in. I really in, enjoy uh, this conversation that we have today. Of course, please uh, uh, get out. Make sure that you purchase this book. Uh, I don't know. It might end up in some health self-help aisle. I don't know. Um, no, no, no. It'll be in the literature aisle. It'll be with fiction. It's just, has, <laughs> I just, I think it'll help you. That's all. It's, it's a helping novel. It's uh, still uh, a novel. I, it's a novel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I confused you with that, but. I, I, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, uh, it was a commercial way back in the, you know, in the seventies, it was this uh, uh, dessert and <laughs> the owner didn't know if it was going to go into the, uh, the store owner didn't know it was going to go into the pudding aisle. <laughs> you know, That's you know, hilarious. You no, know, and so the guy was like, okay, where are you going to put this at? <laughs> it kind of, kind of reminds me of that. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like to be in the in-between spaces. <laughs> so, like, you know, you don't know if uh, your, your item will go into the chip aisle. <laughs> or more, it's more like a, those old Reese's commercials. Where they yeah. the, the peanut butter and the chocolate, and the chocolate gets dipped in the peanut butter. It's both. It's, it makes it even better. So, yeah, I, I don't remember. Well, you know, both of those are are in the condiments. Yeah. Chocolate and peanut butter. Well, the no. the combination. Yeah, I found it in some stores <laughs> in the in the condiments aisle where the the mayonnaise and the ketchup. I'll be a, it just depends on what store you go in. So you may never know. Somebody may make the mistake and say, oh, this is a self-help book. So it might end up in the, in the, the condiment file. It'll be in the condiment file. <laughs> so, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you 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 get that from time to time. <laughs> well, so, I'm all about breaking boundaries. So doing something different, doing something new, something that's never been done before. That's my goal. And it's nothing wrong with that. No. Hey, we're going to uh, wrap up here. Just want to thank you so much for for being here today and uh, listening, viewing the audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is the Author Showcase. I'm your luxurious host. I'm Keith Williams. Be sure to join us next week. We got another great person that will be coming on here uh, talking about uh, their book. And we hope that uh, after you listen and watch these episodes that you will go and support their work. It's very important. So please go and support their work. Until then, y'all have a great weekend.
The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.